Well, Gateway family, I am super excited to start another new year. I'm really pumped about the fact that we get to do it together. And we've been spending a lot of time uh, thinking through and praying through what that needs to look like for us. And we've come up with this theme, which is Better Together. And that's going to uh, be this, the name of the series that we jump into in the month of January. But really, it's bigger than that. This is our theme for the entire year, is Better Together. Because you know, things are better when we are together. And I think we've discovered that more uh, than ever before the last couple of years. But not only are things better together, but we are better together as well. You know, we push each other, we help each other, we need one another, and so we are better when we're together as well. And I've been spending a lot of time over the last, I don't know, probably a couple of months or so, just thinking through what that needs to look like. And one of the things that I tend to do at the end of each year is just kind of start writing stuff out. You know, where, where do I believe God wants us to go? What is God... Uh, most communicating to us about our, our priorities as a church. And so I write those things down in what I call a vision script. And um, I'm not going to read all of it to you, but I, but I want to just read a little section because I think this might be helpful as we talk about where this idea came from. And if you'll allow me just to share some of that, and because of, you know, I think wording matters. And so I'm just going to read um, a little excerpt from this, some of the things I wrote down. Looking back on 2021, the word that comes to mind first is stability. We had hoped that 2021 would be a year of rebounding from COVID, but it didn't happen to the, the, to the degree we had hoped. We were just starting to gain some momentum in August when cases spiked again and people became more cautious. As a result, we didn't really see the kind of growth we anticipated this fall. Attendance in several areas continues to lag where it was in 2019 prior to COVID, Though we had less people in person, we had more people connecting with us on a weekly basis than we've had in the past due to our streaming services. I've heard countless stories of those who've had to be out due to illness or health precautions or even personal choice, but they stayed connected online. I expect to see our in-person involvement surge in January. It feels like the momentum has been building for the past two months of 2021, which is a time of year when attendance normally drops off. We don't know what COVID will do coming out of the holidays, but if we don't have another spike, we should be situated for a growth spurt at the beginning of the year. One of the issues I wrestle with is what to do about getting people back in person for worship services. There's absolutely no question that being together in person is better than watching online. We can't serve together and worship together and have fellowship with one another when we're doing everything online. We need our people back together. I'm so very thankful for our online presence, and I want to continue to develop it, but also long to see it move people to in-person involvement. When we did have people together for special occasions in 2021, such as our 20th anniversary celebration, or even our breakfast last Sunday, it was clear that we need more togetherness. Depending on what COVID is doing in the new year, I think it's time for a strong push to get people back to church. We need to be together. A primary focus for Gateway in 2022 will be finding different ways to get people together. The more we can do together, the better. With that in mind, our theme for 2022 will be better together. Creating ways to get people together in addition to Sunday mornings will be a primary focus. Connect group, connect group growth matters every year, but it's even more important this year. I want to see people connect in smaller groups like this and 
Build deep relationships. I also want to find ways for people to come together in larger groups outside of Sundays. Are there church-wide fellowships or activities that people can bring people together? Is there a missions project or some local project that we could rally around to bring people together? What about a missions focus for a month where we, need, where we meet some type of significant need together? As important as it is to get people together, however, we must not forget about those who can't be with us physically. We need a strategy for connecting with those who aren't physically here. This might be, mean, might be uh, being more intentional about our online ministry, though we're still trying to figure out exactly what that looks like. One thing we do know is that our online presence has become the front door for our church. It seems that every new person or family I meet, and there have been tons of them lately, say that they watched us online for a period before coming in person. That's the goal. We want to provide a strong online presence, but we want to move people to in-person ministry. I know our online presence is essential, and we want to make it even better, but I must admit that sometimes I worry about whether or not we're making it too easy for people to stay at home. The bottom line is that nothing replaces in-person ministry. You can't feel the Holy Spirit moving in the room when watching online. You can't have personal interaction with people coming and going to worship when watching online. There's no doubt that we are better together and we need to be together more. So church family, that's just a little glimpse. There's more to it than that. But I just want to share my heart with you today as we start out a new series and say how important it is to me, to our staff, to our elders, that we find ways to be together because we're better together, and that's the way God designed it to be. I understand there are variables. I understand there are things that we have to consider and work around, uh, but the bottom line is we're going to take a look at why it's so important for us to be together, and the way we're going to do that is by jumping into the book of Acts because the book of Acts is the story of the early church before there was a story of the early church, right? This is the church unfolding, and um, I, I want us, as we go through, and we're just going to you know, jump around a little bit in a few different chapters, and just we're obviously not going to work our way through the entire book, because we're just going to be doing this in the month of January. But um, I, I want us to do the best we can to kind of remove our, uh, our lens of how we see church, and just the best we can try to evaluate what we see in the book of Acts without our preconceived notions. And I know that's a lot easier said than done because we all have things that you know, impact the way we, we see things. We all look through different lenses and, and it's difficult to do that. But here's what I do know to be true just from my experience uh, in ministry for a lot of years and from a lot of conversations with people in our community and that is that when it comes to church, there are a lot of preconceived notions out there. There are a lot of ideas, some of them good, some of them not so good, about what church is, what it's about, what the motivation is, you know, what they're after, what they want from me, all these kinds of things. Um, and frankly, there are a lot of people that have been hurt. And for those that have been hurt by some type of experience with the church, it can be difficult to rebuild that trust. And so the easy thing would probably be to keep everything at arm's length, right? Keep it at a distance. Hey, this is great now. Everybody's online. I can just sit at home. I don't have to, you know, actually be there and worry about the, being hurt so much by the people and all that. Uh, and I understand that. And by the way, I, I don't say 
that in a judgmental way to say that a lot of people have been hurt by church because I'm going to tell you there are people out there that would tell you they've been hurt by this church. There are no perfect churches and, and, and there are variables and things that happen. So I, I get that. I don't say that in an accusatory way. I just say that's the reality. And, and one of the things that I think we can do as we go into the book of Acts is just look at this and say, okay, what, what is the church supposed to look like? And one of the things that it certainly is supposed to look like is being together. I mean, that, that just that theme comes out over and over again. So I want you to open your Bible with me to Acts chapter 1 today. And today we're going to look specifically at this idea of how do we prepare ourselves for God to move? This is the first Sunday of a new year. It's a, it's a year, as I'll share with you as we continue on, that I believe God has some incredible things in store for us. But a great question is, how do we get our hearts ready? What, how did they get their hearts ready? Before chapter 2 and Pentecost and the coming of the Holy Spirit and all that, what did the disciples do to prepare themselves for God to work? Let's read about it in Acts 1, starting in verse 12. And, and by the way, before I pick up here, let me just give a little background. Um, Jesus had given instructions, so Jesus has, has uh, walked on earth uh, uh, post-resurrection. He has made appearances for a period of 40 days, then he ascends back into heaven. And uh, gives them instructions to wait for the coming of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so they're, they're in the waiting process right now. They've been told the Spirit will come, you'll receive power, you'll be my witnesses, all that. Um, now this is the waiting. Verse 12. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James, and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew... James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Okay, so you get this. They're, they're waiting. Um, <clears throat> they have been through some, some crazy stuff. Can you imagine what's going through their minds as they literally watch Jesus just kind of float up into the sky ascend back into heaven they're trying to process that and at that very moment an angel appears to them and says this same Jesus that you saw go uh, up into heaven will return in the same way can you imagine the, the 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 thoughts that are swirling around in their minds the adrenaline that's coursing through their veins at this point they're they're trying to figure things out and yet they're told to to wait and prepare and so they're Three things I want to share with you, and the first one is just that one of the things we can learn from them is that we just have to wait on God's timing. Sometimes that's not easy to do, is it? Wait on God's timing. They didn't know what was next. Well, I mean, they did know that the Holy Spirit was coming, but they, did, they didn't know the details. They didn't know what that was going to look like. They had no concept of what that would lead to, and they just had to wait. So how long did they wait for? Well, we, we can do a little bit of math and kind of figure things out because the Holy Spirit comes on the day of Pentecost. That is a term that we see only in the New Testament, uh, but in the Old Testament, it, the, the idea is there they had this, what they called the Feast of the Harvest, and it would fall 50 days after the Passover. So if you go back and, and do the math, 50 days after the Passover and so that means that roughly, you know, 48 
days or so after the resurrection of Jesus would be Pentecost. So if Jesus appeared with his disciples for a period of 40 days, that means we're talking about a week's, you know, seven, eight days, maybe eight days that they had uh, to wait for this next step. Now, that probably doesn't sound like a really long time. Eight days, right? Anybody can wait eight days. But have you ever waited eight days for something that you were like really, really eager about, right? And, and you just can't wait. I mean, I remember when our kids were little and we found out about two weeks beforehand we are going to be able to take them on a trip to Disney World. You want to guess when we told them? The night before. Because we knew, y'all know how this works, right? You know you'll they'll be bugging you every single day. How much longer? How much longer? How much longer? Because when you're excited about something, it's hard to wait. Eight days is a long time when you don't know what to expect. Anybody waiting on God for something right now? Having a hard time waiting? Maybe you find yourself waiting for a spouse. Maybe you find yourself waiting for a job. Waiting on some type of financial provision. Waiting on something to turn health-wise in a better direction. Maybe it's just waiting on really developing a, a, a real connection with God and you're struggling with that. I mean, it's, it's tough to wait, isn't it? But sometimes in this life we find ourselves in a place where we just have to wait. My encouragement for us is that when we are in those seasons, let's wait um, actively, if that makes sense. Rather than just trying to pass the time, and rather than just getting so busy with so many different things, because here's what I've discovered to be true. When we fill our lives with so much stuff that we're just completely busy all the time, then we really can't wait on God. I don't know about you, but you know, I know holidays are always a crazy season. One of the things that I started to say pride myself on, maybe that's not a good use of words, but one of the things that I try to focus on is not getting over busy. And there's enough going on in our life always, but, but I'm pretty intentional about trying not to just be crazy busy all the time. However, let me just go back. I just went back just for fun and wrote down some of the things that have happened over the last about three weeks. Let me just share a little bit of my timeline with you. December 10th, drive to Lubbock to attend Austin's graduation and move Brooke back home. December 11th, Austin's graduation. December 12th and 13th, pack up Brooke's apartment, drive home, unload all her stuff at our house. December 16th, wedding rehearsal and dinner. December 17th, wedding. December 18th, post-wedding breakfast with family and friends for Sean's birthday before driving back home to unload wedding items. December 19th, church. December 23rd, Christmas candlelight service. December 24th, two Christmas candlelight services. December 25th, celebrate Christmas with family. December 26th, church. December 27th, move Brooke and Austin into their apartment. December 28th, shop all day long for furniture with Brooke and Austin and still, you know, be struggling to find stuff for them to make decisions on. I, I, I mean, I'm just telling you, looking over about a two-week period, it was nuts. And there's no, you know, it's, it's easy to understand why looking back, I'm like, man, I just hadn't had the energy level that I normally do lately. Well, that's why. But isn't that, doesn't that kind of become typical a lot of times? I would look at that and say, oh, that's not normal. And maybe it's really not, but it's probably more normal than we think. 
for us to allow ourselves to get, you know, our, our schedules and things just get so filled. And so we really can't wait on God when we're just running from place to place. The disciples waited and they did something really important. Verse 14 says they all joined together constantly in prayer. Along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. You know, if the first thing that we need to do is be willing to wait on God, the second thing that goes hand in hand with that, so we need to pray together. And I emphasize that word together. They were waiting, but, and they were praying, but they were doing it together. They were waiting for what God had next, and they spent a lot of time together praying. Have you ever noticed how much power there is when we pray together about things? When we align ourselves with other believers and we just start asking God to, to lead in the same way? And so that, you know, with that in mind, it just kind of made me think, how much power would there be if, if we could commit together to praying a prayer that I just led us to pray a few moments ago? And that is, what if we prayed together as a church, Lord, show me anything that's in the way of you doing what you want to do in and through me? What if we prayed together that our hearts would be ready for God to work in 2022? And that whatever God brings, we're going to be ready for that when it comes. You see, they, they didn't know exactly what it was. They didn't know exactly what those next uh, future steps were going to look like once the Holy Spirit came. I don't think there was any way that Peter could have had a concept that he would be filled with the Spirit. He would stand up and speak and preach a sermon and preach the gospel of Christ. And that 3,000 people would get saved on that day. And get baptized. They didn't have a plan for that. They didn't have a plan for when, when the, the, the word continued to spread. And they had to figure out how do we feed hungry people. And how do we you know, make sure that nobody gets overlooked without neglecting our responsibilities. They didn't have a plan for the persecution that they were about to face. When they were going to be arrested and, and threatened and all these things. They didn't expect that. They certainly didn't expect their greatest persecutor to become their greatest missionary. I mean, there was so much about what God had designed for them and had planned for them. They didn't know all the details. But they prayed and they got ready. And so when God works, they, they, they were ready for that. That's, that's what I want for us. I don't know exactly what this year is going to look like. I'm going to have some ideas and we have some plans and things that we're focused on. But I want us to be ready so that when God does decide to work and when the Holy Spirit says, I want to move this direction, that we all as one body are like, yes, we're ready for that. Whatever you want to do, we want you to, to lead us and to, 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 to move through us. See, maybe some of you like me, need to be reminded over and over again of the importance of depending on God for his power in situations like this. Because I have a tendency, as I've said many times before, I have a tendency to go into fix-it mode. You know, Anybody have one of those modes that you go into? It's like, I can make this happen, right? I've got to figure this out. I've got to fix it or solve it or, or whatever it may be. And prayer is the great reminder of how incapable I am. Right? That's, one of the th that's one of the benefits of prayer. It puts us in a position of humility. If we are on our knees before God, if we are bowed before God in prayer and submitting ourselves to Him, it is a great reminder that I'm incapable. Right? I can't do this on my own and in my own strength and my own ability. But God can. 
And so that's why we see them doing such great things. And, and, and frankly, I want to see God do things that only God can do. I don't want us to be limited to what individual people can do through their own efforts. We need to be in a place where we're saying, God, we want to see you work. We want to see you do what only you can do. Well, that's precisely why Jesus told them to wait on the filling of the Holy Spirit. See, I, I, I'm convinced that they could have done some good on their own because they were fired up, right? They had seen the risen Christ. There would have been some level of momentum and something that they could have carried out, but not nearly to the level of what happened when they were filled by the Holy Spirit and, and, and just God stuff started happening, you know, and they just see supernatural power at work everywhere. You know, when we try to operate in our own power and our own ability, um, it, it's, it's kind of like taking a power saw and using it like a hacksaw. Doesn't make much sense, does it? If you have a power saw, plug it in and use it like a power saw. And that's what we are. But we operate more like hacksaws a lot of times. We don't really plug into the full power of God. It's like, I've just got to do this on my own. It doesn't make a lot of sense, but I do it. I'm sure you do it as well. Uh, but I can't help but to believe that we would see some really amazing things happen if we started to pray and ask God to do what only God can do. And by the way, I, I love the reminder there in verse 14. He goes through in verse 13, and he lists all 11, minus Judas, of course, who has taken his own life by this point. But of the 12, the original 12, he lists all 11 of them. But then he also adds in verse 14 that they were joined um, by the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. So this is not just you know, a, a secluded group, but this is a group of those whose hearts are all in. You know, they're, they're fully devoted. They're, they're in this together. And man, what would God do? If we collectively, as a body, decided we're all in, I mean, our hearts are in it 100%, and we're going we're gonna to wait for God to work, I want to find out. And I hope you do, too. I hope you'll join me in that. Well, that leads me to the last thing that I want us to touch on, because uh, we need to wait on God's timing. We certainly need to pray and tap into God's power through prayer. But here's the third thing I want to point out is that, that we also need to expect God to move. See, there's, there's something about waiting expectantly that's important. The disciples weren't just kind of, you know, you know just kind of playing uh, thumb games and, and, and just, you know, oh, what do I do here? And, uh, no, they were actively waiting on God. They expected God to come and to do something powerful because Jesus told them that he would. Acts 1.8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes. You'll be my witnesses. In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. So they knew that it was coming. They didn't know exactly what it was going to look like, but they were waiting with expectation. And Gateway family, that's, that's what I want us to do as we move into a new year. And I can tell you, and I feel like I've said this before, and I don't just say these things just to say them, but I really have a sense that God is preparing us for something significant as a church. And so as we move into a new year, let's, let's wait and let's pray, but let's do it with expectation. Just ready, like, God, I know you have something for us. And I know it's going to be beyond anything that, that 
that, that we could come up with on our own, but I'm excited to figure out what it is. And I'm most excited that we get to figure it out together. And there's power in that when we come together and, and we seek God together. I really do believe that, that this is going to be a year of explosive ministry growth for our church. I think we're going to see people coming to know Christ more than we have in any year uh, in the past, that we're, as more and more of our people are being equipped to share their faith, as there just seems to be more of a, an undercurrent of a desire to share our faith boldly. We're going to see people come to Christ like we haven't seen before. We're going to see our, our ministries continue to explode, areas like our children's ministry, which has already been growing like crazy. Um, I, I, I see us reaching teenagers unlike we have at any other time before as they get excited and, and, and they have a passion for inviting their friends and reaching out to the people that they know. I, I see our connect group ministry growing like never before as people cultivate authentic relationships with one another and really begin to dive in there. I see our online presence continuing to expand like never before as well. And so you know, there, there are a lot of signs, a lot of things that point toward the fact that God is doing some, some really cool stuff in our midst. But let's continue to pray. And let's continue to ask God, say, God, we want it to be bigger and better than, than what we could come up with. And we want to do this together. So let me tell you what your part is in this. Your part is the same well, in some ways, it's the same as my part. We all have different roles and all that. But here's the part that is the same. is for all of us to say, God, show me how you want to work through me this year. First of all, that, that my own passion for you would burn white hot. That, that I would have a desire and a passion for knowing you personally that would overflow into sharing that with other people around me. So that's one thing that every one of us can do is say, God, help me to love you deeply. But then the second thing is for every single one of us to pray, God, what is my role in this? What, what is it that you want to do through me? And that's going to look different for each one of us. But can you imagine what God would do if none of us held back? I mean, if we really came with an open heart to saying, Lord, I don't know exactly what it looks like, but I know that you want to do something through me. And if every single part of the body of Christ specifically I'm talking right now about the, the, the body that we call gateway and we know we're just a teeny tiny part of the overall body of Christ but let's just take our church family what if every single one of us said Lord I'm available and I want you to work through me not viewing that as the staff's job or as a few key leaders but I mean every single person said I'm yours and if that means that I need to serve in some new ways, then I'm going to serve in some new ways. If that means being bolder about sharing the gospel, then I'll be bolder. If it means giving at a level that I've never done before, then I'll, I'll be more generous. If it means spending more time studying God's word and spending more time in prayer, then, then I'm all in and I'll do that. So your part and my part is to hold nothing back. Jesus gave everything for us. And so our response is to say, Lord, I'm, I'm all in. I, I want you to work through me. I want to be a part of what you want to do in this community and in this church. So just an honest question for you. Is that where your heart is right now? 
Are you ready to say that? He said, yeah, I'm, I'm in. And if the answer is no, can I just ask you to, to do some soul searching and to spend some time before God, say, what is it going to take to get to the point where the answer is yes? Where my answer is, Lord, I'm all yours. Whatever you want to do, whatever that looks like, I want you to do it. And let's just commit together to prepare ourselves spiritually so that, that we are waiting on God. We are praying together, but we're expecting God to do something. And when God works and when we see amazing things happen and we get to the end of this year and we look back and we're like, wow, this was a year unlike any we've ever had. We'll give God the glory for it, but we won't be surprised by it because we're expecting God to do something. Let's pray together. Lord, I, I just pray that we do have a, a holy expectation for you to work. And Lord, I thank you for this church family so much. Lord, these people that make me so much better. And Lord, I pray that you would help us together to just wait for you to work. And Lord, I pray that this is a year where we see firsthand that we're better together, but that you would work through us more powerfully because we're together too. And um, show us what that looks like, Lord, and prepare our hearts and work through us in ways that only you can. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.